We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX Command Simulated. Guys, this year for Christmas, give her the next best thing to wearing nothing at all with soft, silky nudies pajamas available exclusively at pajamagram.com. Sensuous and smooth, nudies pajamas feel just like her own bare skin. Nudies is so seductive, she'll love the feeling of wearing next to nothing at all. And you'll love the way they look. Includes free gift packaging and delivery by Christmas is guaranteed. So visit pajamagram.com today. That's pajamagram.com. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 154. And this opinion is brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and first things first, as much as Neymar has since dominated the headlines, the week started with a debut for 16-year-old Ansu Fati. With the young winger's first appearance for the first team, I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about it with than with my friend Naveed Molagai. Here's that quick conversation. I'm joined now by friend of the podcast, Naveed Molagai. You know who it is. Uh, he's an expert on all things La Masia, all things youth football. And Naveed, it is a merging of worlds because a guy that you have covered for a long time in Ansu Fadi has made his first team debut. So we are bringing you on today to talk about that. Naveed, how are you doing? Uh, and with the exception of uh, just talking about Ansu Fadi's debut. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, uh, especially because of Ansu. I, I slept very well last night, so that's nice. Well, you're going to help us today talk a little bit about his story. Now, Ansu Fadi and his older brother, uh, Brahimi, who, again, fans of, or people who pay attention ardently to La Masia, would have known the name Brahimi Fati because he has been with his brother Ansu in La Masia since 2012 when they together came over from Sevilla's youth system. How do you think, and he is the older brother, Bohemi, he's 21 at the moment, on loan in the third division from Barcelona B. How do you think his brother's story has shaped Ansu's? I mean, if you look at through the scope of the fact that Bohemi was really the one discovered by Sevilla, and then uh, in the one discovered by Barcelona as well, and Ansu has been the younger brother, do you think that's been beneficial to him? Uh, yeah, absolutely, I think so. Uh, his name is Brahima. Uh, uh, sorry, but... Uh, but Brahima, um, yeah, he's definitely been a, a guide, a very nice guide for for Ansu. And now he's, he, I, I'm pretty sure he was active in the contract negotiations as well with uh, with the club uh, throughout the summer. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm I'm sure that he's been a he's been a big help to his uh, baby brother as they progressed through the academy. Uh, Brahima was actually a teammate of Carles Alenas and Carles Perez. Uh, and now he's he was actually he was a nice talent, but like when he reached the juvenile stages, he just couldn't uh, reach the other players. But but yeah, it's very nice that he's been a, a nice factor for Ansu as he's grown up. Uh, he's been a massive help to him, especially through Ansu's uh, hard times at the academy uh, at some point. Um, so yeah, he's he's been a good help. It's been it's great. Well, you mentioned that contract extension, and both Fadi and uh, fellow Hubinio on one of his friends, Ilash Moriba, they had their huge renewals 
done now. Uh, Mariva right around his 16th birthday and Fatih just now over the summer. It seems like a vote of confidence for those two after we looked at all those different talents that you and I have discussed on previous shows uh, with all those, the exodus of talent, if you will. It seems the club for all these young players playing hardball with money, they were willing to play Fatih and Mariba, and it seems like there is a, again, with the club, a vote of confidence with these two in particular. Yeah, absolutely, and I think uh, I think it's 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 just great that they both stayed, and they've both been very, very, very great throughout the throughout the preseason. Especially, I know, of course, Ansu. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, of course, it's been great. Uh, he did he did very nice with Barca B. Ansu scored two goals, scored scored more goals actually, um, and scored some goals for Junela as well. But Belilaish has been pretty scary for. For Victor Valdez is Joven uh, LA. So they, they've both been, um, how can you say it? Like, they they both, like, uh, like done well after they, they renewed. And Elish makes significantly more still than, than Ansu, despite both of them getting pretty good contracts. Um, but, but yeah, it's uh, it's very nice for both of them uh, to have stayed after the, the mass exodus in the past couple of years. There are also some other great talents coming through. So, so yeah, we'll be, we'll be just fine, I think. And that should excite Kool-Aid even more that, you know, we saw 16-year-old Ansu Fadi make his first team debut, and he's not the one that is paid the most. That's a guy that uh, I think we have a little bit longer to wait just because of the center midfield depth for Barcelona. Uh, but let's go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, we hinted at him a little bit that Ansu Fadi, when he showed up in 2012, he, instead of going right to the uh, Alavin Bay, he, like he has always basically done in the La Masia system, he has gone up an age group and played uh, with those a little bit older than him, including as what was circulating on social media, people might have seen he and Takafusa Kubo. Uh, those pictures have been making the rounds from their Alavine Ah days. That was Ansu's first year at the club and the first of the years again that he played with uh, an age group higher than his own. At the time, though, uh, Navid, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, he was a central and attacking midfielder there, right? Uh, I mean, at that point, did we already know then that he had a little something special, or did we have to wait until his position changed a little farther up the field? Uh, no, he was absolutely something special back then as well. The only thing about him was that he was clearly physically uh, much much more superior to his opponents and teammates, actually, even despite him playing against all the kids. Um, but even but even yeah, even despite that that physical advantage, he was still technically brilliant uh we have one kid in the academy right now who is who is a bit in a similar position um who's who is of course uh, very physically uh superior but at the same time like the technique that that he shows and that anshu shown back then also like that, that it was pretty clear that that he, he had something else in him other than just physique and we we're seeing that now um of course it's pretty impressive that a 16 year old can just yeah, it can just bully La Liga defenders, which which Ansu did yesterday, also physically, um, but but technically he's just on a different level, Ansu actually, and and he's been, he he hasn't just taken advantage of his physical uh, strength uh, back in back in the academy days. He was also just technically superior, and and we quickly we we did quickly find out. I mean, attacking midfielder. I wrote in that article attacking midfielder, and, and maybe I should have just written like false nine. Uh, but but he did actually because he didn't play as an interior. Um, uh, he was he was actually an, an an attacker and and he was quickly moved to he he did actually just play everything like um, but but mostly going through the the left side of the pitch uh, even mm-hmm. when he was playing false nine I remember in in the fifteen sixteen season he was in they were in experimenting him as an as an interior as a as a central midfielder where he all. I mean, I remember some insane assists from him, um, but but yeah, he's he's been a left wing uh, throughout all like the last the last few years. Uh, he did he I think the first Juvenilar game last season he played at right wing. I mean, even back then he was like a joker because he was the season had just started and he was 15 still and he was playing against 19 year olds, uh, but he was still just dominating uh and of course i i i would never have expected him to make his first team debut and now train regularly and impress in first team training as well uh so his his progression has been quite ridiculous and and even take kubo he was take was outscoring ansu like they were, they were just competing with each other 
back then at, at Alvina. Like one would score two goals in a match, and the other one would score like four. four. <laughs> uh, so it's it's been it's been pretty fun to to follow Ansu actually. And uh, earlier in your question, you mentioned that there is a comparison now coming through La Masia, and instead of comparing Ansu Fadi upward, I actually want to uh, ask for the name that you're comparing downward. Uh, his name is uh, Landry Fare. Uh, he's he's not similar to Ansu at all in terms of like position and stuff. He's a cent- he's a centre back, uh, but but he's just I mean he's two footed and like far better than everyone else technically, uh, mm-hmm. ex- except for maybe one one or two player but players. But he's just he's a he's scary. Like he they even play him at at wing at like at left wing in the like at left back left wing in seven aside because he's just a cheat code um, mm-hmm. actually. So he's he's also going to be playing with all the kids this season a lot. Uh, so we'll see where where he ends up. Well, you mentioned 2015, and that's uh, when you talk about Ansu Fadi. I think uh, not just uh, coming from uh, Guinea-Bissau, where he was born, coming to Spain to the, the Sevilla region, where he again he gets integrated with his brother to the Sevilla system. But the the different steps that his career has taken, even as a footballer, uh, where in 2015. Uh, he has to deal with the FIFA ban now. Obviously, Kubo dealt with that uh, w- with with much more ferocity. But Ansu Fati dealing with it a little bit in terms of just the, the fear of potentially getting kicked out of the club, uh, and then also suffering that terrible fibula injury that could have derailed his career. Uh, and as far as those different pieces of adversity, uh, Navid, why didn't they uh, derail his career in the way they did so many other players? You think? <clears throat> Quite simply, like just talent uh, and and of course hard work as well. Uh, like yeah, as you said, the the fibula, and there was also another bone that that broke in his leg, um, and and like he just he was out for an entire season, and he returned um, he returned like straight to the squad, like the squad that he was playing with, with still with older kids, and he missed an an entire year out with injuries, and just returned as if nothing had ever happened, and and thank God that he. Um, that he recovered well. Uh, like when you when you when you break your leg at that age, uh, the bones um, recover better than than when you're older. Like, right. um, of course, I'm not a doctor, but 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 yeah. Uh, um, so so thankfully he he returned and he just returned and like yeah he didn't um, he just he just continued to do uh, the stuff that he does and he's a. He's a he's a very humble kid. Uh, like he like okay, yesterday, 16 years old, debuted with the first team, impressed with the first team. Now training regularly with the first team. Uh, he just posted on Instagram today that like he's grateful to everyone and that he'll continue to work hard and keep his feet on the ground and and stuff like that. He is just a great kid. He's coming from a great family. Uh, the Fati family is is really great. He has a he has a baby brother that he takes to FCB Escola. And, and, and sees him play a lot uh, and like it's just he's just such a good kid like and and I just uh, and I, I just wish him so many good things and and he he fortunately did not have any uh, problems he didn't have I think he was um, temporarily uh, suspended just for safety reasons by the club while they were um, while they were I don't know what they were like right like, right yeah that's what I read with too. FIFA and stuff like that yeah that's what I read yeah yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so thankfully he wasn't hit uh, hit uh, hit by the sanctions as as Takifusu and Lee Sung Woo and, and other great talents. Um, but, but but yeah, thankfully he he just continued to to dominate. And and I'm I'm not even sure if like where he would have been right now if he didn't got injured for a year. Maybe he would have been debuted with debuting with the first team last season <laughs> or something. I don't even know. It's just yeah. scary to think about. Right. I mean, being the second youngest uh, official. And we say official because uh, the YouTube video coming out this week uh, is all about the youngest in Barcelona's history. But uh, Ansu Fadi is the reason for uh, making this kind of content and bringing Naveed on the show. But I, I think we're going to look ahead now to the future, Naveed. We saw that Ansu Fadi, yes, he is a winger. And you mentioned on that left side, he was really dominant. But uh, even in that game against Real Batiste, we were seeing him pop up on the right. We were seeing him pop up in the middle. Where do you think his long-term best position is going to be is it going to be a winger is it going to be a striker could it be on do you think it's going to be on the left side uh, like for now i think everything depends on the uh, barca getting neymar or not uh, because that left wing <laughs> is going to be occupied uh, yeah. and 
I think I think Ansu has potential to be to go through the middle and play in an advanced role uh, in in the attack, like in a free role. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing clips of him in first team training in the first team uh, YouTube channel videos, where he's just playing as a joker in the middle, a joker being like the one who's uh, who who's playing with the team in possession, just has a free role in the middle of the pitch, and he's just dominating. It's it's very. <laughs> It's very surreal to see, um, actually, and I think I think he has the potential to go through the middle. He played as a nine for Barca B in some friendlies for Barca B. He plays at, he played as a winger for, in some friendlies for Barca, right winger in, in a friendly for Barca B and left winger in a friendly for Barca B. Last season he only played at at left wing and that one uh, right wing match that I that I mentioned at Juvenil A. But but the coach Denis Silva he. Um, yeah, he had he had some strikers, and he had Alejandro Marquez, who played at nine all season. So Ansu Ansu did play at left wing, sometimes a bit isolated, I think, because he has so much potential to go through the middle. He has he's a very hybrid attacker, as I mentioned, like when he when he was experimenting as a um, as a central mid- midfielder in in 2015, he was he was also great. Like he has. He has playmaking abilities for sure. He made he almost made twenty plus assists last season, mm-hmm. uh, as well as scoring twenty eight goals or something. Um, so, so I mean the I mean he his potential is 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 quite incredible. He's already a very rounded player. Uh, it's um, it's very uh, it's very cool to see. And and with Victor Valdez, Victor Valdez has has been experimenting some stuff like. Conrad de la Fuente is playing left wing a lot for Junile in in Ansu's absence, and 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 Victor and Valdez is uh, like making his wingers play as almost as central midfielders, hmm. uh, and I think Ansu would would also be perfect in such a role. I mean, it's, he can he can he can play everything in in attack. I, I think he's also he's also uh, not small and and scored some some nice headers last season as well. Like I can. Like I, I can't even imagine where he'll be in in some years. Not that I'm not saying like oh he'll be whatever, but like mm-hmm. potentially he he, I mean he can he can go. I mean he can move a lot potentially. I, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure like his biggest weakness either at the moment. Um, thankfully there are, there are people who know more uh, who can tell those things and and help him to improve. Right. Uh, but he he's he's kind of scary actually. Yeah, I mean, and again, we uh, we're not going to get into you know you and I discussing what it what it is about uh, overhyping players or putting too much stock in a player's future. But again, what we can go on is the facts here that there's a 16 year old kid for Barcelona who debuted for the first team, did has yet to make his debut for Barcelona B as well. And you mentioned his his manager this season being Victor Valdez. Uh, and you know, again, Navid, we unfortunately don't have time for you to talk about what the the, the big idea, the big picture of Victor Valdez coming to Juvenil A means, but uh, in the in the lens of Ansu Fadi playing for Victor Valdez alongside again his friend uh, Mariba and even the West Brom transfer in in Louis Barry, with that crew that Victor Valdez has, uh, when we talk about his different coaches being Fati, do you see him playing uh, a larger role? For Francisco Pimienta's Barcelona B, even this season, where we saw him a lot in preseason, uh, obviously yes, he'll be on the peripheral now of the first team when they have all these major injuries. And you mentioned Neymar being a big part of that. But uh, as far as what kind of time you think he could split between Barcelona B and the Juvenil A's with Victor Valdez, uh, how do you think the club is going to negotiate his season? Um, I think it's. I actually thought about it yesterday because yesterday Barca B also played. And and their starting lineup lineup in attack was Abel Ruiz at at left wing, Alejandro Marquez at striker, and Alex Collado at right wing. Uh, and and they also have the new signing Hiroki Abe uh, from Japan, uh, who hasn't been registered yet. He will be registered in uh, in in a month or something. There's some bureaucratic issues. Uh, and of course, there's also Carlos Perez, um, whom I think uh, for now he's. Um, uh, he's closer to the first team because he has, like, he's almost five years older than Ansu, which is a bit insane, actually. Um, and um, and he's also, yeah, he's, he also did very well yesterday. I'll, I almost feel a bit bad for Carlos Perez um, because he was he was so fantastic, and and then Ansu comes in and, and steals the picture in, in 15 minutes. Um, but um, but but no, I think I think he should play regularly for Barca B. He just needs to be tested against. 
and like on higher level for seniors, it would almost be a bit of a shame to see him play um, for Juvenila. Maybe, maybe he will play a bit for them. Uh, I I think and I hope that he'll play for for Barca B. Um, uh, Alejandro Marquez was not impressive at all at at nine. Uh, maybe maybe Ansu will slot in in the in the um, in the in the lineup when Messi, Suarez, Suarez and Dembele return. Um, maybe he'll. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> as I said, like it's so difficult uh, to predict right now what's going to happen with him because he's a bit of a bombshell mm-hmm. uh, at the moment in the club, and uh, we'll see what happens. I just hope that that he'll. I, I think he. I think he. I, I mean, of course, he's good enough to play for for Barca B. So I hope that he'll he'll play for them. Well, wherever Antufati is. This season, we hope that you'll be following Naveed on Twitter. Uh, we'll have that. Uh, just click on his name down in the uh, description where you can, again, follow him on all updates, not just on Sufati, but a lot about La Masia uh, conversations there uh, for him over on Twitter. And we will obviously be continuing to track, uh, again, an exciting thing, this Ansu Fadi, uh, debuting as the second youngest teenager for Barcelona ever. Uh, and we're going to have a YouTube video on that later. But this will wrap up this show with Naveed. Naveed, thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Dan. All right, we'll be back after a break. At O'Connor Hospital... We've been right here, in your own backyard, for 140 years. And from our long-standing dedication to our neighbor's health, we've perfected something we call Careology. It's the science of compassion and excellence, which all our doctors, nurses, and specialists are committed to. For us, Careology is more than procedure. It's personal. O'Connor Hospital, your community hospital. och.sccgov.org. Now to help me with listener questions is another friend of the podcast, Mike Miller. Mike, I heard you yesterday were wishing Boyan Kirkic a happy birthday at the Montreal Impact game. How was that? It was great, actually. He he had a great game, and he's adapting extremely well with the Montreal Impact uh, right now. And uh, after only three appearances with the club, he's already uh, he already has a, a very very important role on that squad and uh, he's already he's already scored a goal and uh, he's basically uh, their playmaker now like most most balls are going through him so it's it's very fun to watch and you know you can see that quality and that La Masia training <laughs> whenever you see him uh, touch the ball he's uh, his football IQ is exactly what it what it was when we last saw him unfortunately illness and injuries did a number on his career for a few years, but I'm glad to see him doing well uh, in the MLS and especially in my hometown of Montreal. Yeah, I mean, you know that this is now multiple times on this podcast that I've been plugging this week's YouTube video, uh, which is all about the youngest debuts. That's inspired by Ansu Fadi last weekend, the youngest debuts in Barcelona history. And Boyan, of course, is on that list in the top 10. I'm not going to tell you where he is in the top 10. You got to watch the video. So go on the Mm -hmm. Barcelona podcast YouTube channel and you can find it there. Uh, And now, Mike, just I have to unfortunately pivot just in a pretty negative direction here. We do just want to quickly mention on the show as well that we give plenty of prayers and support to the family of Luis Enrique, obviously former Barcelona manager, uh, well, what would be current Spanish uh, national team manager, but uh, his daughter passed away. So uh, again, not much to say about that, obviously, but just hope that that they, they can find the peace that they need in the trying times that the family has had, of course. And um, I hope that Luis Enrique and his family can just find the love and support of, of the millions of people uh, that, again, hope for uh, just goodness to, to happen with that family. Yeah, and uh, if I may, I would like to encourage uh, all, your, are you, all of your listeners and followers to make a donation to your local uh, child cancer research uh, charity if you can afford to do it it's a very very important cause and it's taking away the lives of so many children around the world and this one is very close to our hearts but unfortunately these tragedies happen every single day around the world and we we need to keep all of these people in our thoughts and try to make a difference if uh, if we can afford to do so yeah for sure very well said mike um you know and so it's difficult to uh pivot again uh, after something like that but We have to talk now about the news from today, and that is that Barcelona has been drawn into the group of death 
for the UEFA Champions League. And yeah, this is the Barcelona podcast. That's why you're tuning in. But I think that neutrals have also said that it's a group of death because it has Borussia Dortmund, Inter Milan, Barcelona, and uh, from the Czech capital of Prague, it's Slavia Prague. Um, and there is a funny gif going around on the uh, face of the of the delegation, the faces, should I say, the delegation from Slavia Prague. <laughs> they they kind of had to give a, a tongue-in-cheek smile when they found out exactly what their full group was. And the reason they this is called a group of death, um, and we will preview this later. So again, I don't want to waste too much time. You're just going to get a quick thought from Mike. Uh, my initial reaction here is that uh, the reason it is a group of death is because Dortmund and Inter Milan are going to be two teams that are fighting and trying. And I think really this year, they have the best chance, either team, in about five years or so of pushing the perennial powerhouses in Bayern, Munich, and Juventus in their respective leagues. So Barcelona is the La Liga favorite who's getting pushed by Atletico and Real Madrid this season, or maybe somebody else. And then Dortmund and Inter are the ones who could make title races of their respective leagues. So I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, Barcelona being the favorite both in this group and the Liga, as opposed to the two in Dortmund and Inter. Uh, I would like to see with all the reinforcements that both teams those brought in, Inter being Alexis Sanchez and Romelu Lukaku, and then Dortmund, um, not only bringing in Paco there they had last year, but reinforcing with Julian Brandt from Bayer Leverkusen and Thorgan Hazard just in the attack, and then bringing in Mats Hummels, who returns to the club as well, back in defense. So both Inter and Dortmund have reinforced and are better than they were a year ago. So that is why both those teams are expected to be competing for their league championships. And so I'm wondering how they're going to navigate their their much deeper squads now across both and, uh, well, we'll say all three competitions for them. You know, the interesting thing about this group of death is that we could e- we could finish anywhere between the first and the third position. And with everything that you just said regarding uh, Dortmund, Inter, Atletico, and Real Madrid, we're going to have to be so focused at all times. We're not going to be able to take uh, any any steps back. We're not going to be able to rest players the way we would want to, especially with the injuries that uh, Messi and Suarez have been nursing. My biggest nightmare after looking at this uh, this draw is obviously <laughs> to see us playing on Thursday nights uh, from February to May. And it's a very tangible possibility. And, you know, as a joke, within my own my own group there the <laughs> in Montreal, we were joking about how uh, Barca has never won the Europa League and this might be the year. <laughs> I hope not anyway, but... Uh, all, all jokes aside, I think that we have enough depth to be able to finish at least in the top two in our group and to 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 maintain, if not a lead uh, in La Liga, at least to be to be fighting for it until the very end. The only thing is um, we can't afford more injuries for now. And uh, as as much as we're we seem to be relying on Antoine Griezmann right now. Uh, you know, things happen very, very fast in the world of football. And uh, let's just hope that all uh, all our chips fall fall back into place and that when everybody gets gets back into the action and everybody, everybody's healthy again, that we're going to be able to get the results that we need in order to qualify for the round of 16 as well as stay on top of the table in La Liga. Yeah, I mean, both La Liga and Champions League, when we break it down, we don't think of it, and we don't. We almost take for granted the fact that La Liga has been done and dusted now for a few seasons in Barca's favor quite early. And so really the focus has completely become upon the Champions League over the last few seasons. For And I think for better or worse, it's wound up being worse as far as the narrative goes because of the focus that then, uh, as in La Liga, almost gets taken for granted. And I think for the betterment of even the fan base. And I was thinking about this more of even the club and winning, but what's best for, you know, the fan base to find some kind of solace and, and to almost re-fall back in love with the team. Uh, and I'm not just talking about on the field, I'm talking about off the field uh, when we're thinking about results and championships. And again, uh, it's not about just talking about what Ernesto Valverde does on the field. I'm talking about even off the field. And I think a close title race for Barcelona, uh, I would hope, would galvanize uh, the best out of everybody and just this, you know, uh, once again, understanding that things have to be fought for. Uh, and one of those things we talked about in depth as we uh, we hit our listener questions now from Benno, 
who asks, if we get Neymar, who of the big earners is going to leave this year or next year? I'm gonna, I added this year because we don't exactly know who might even be in that finalized deal. And by the time this is in your ears, maybe Neymar is on his way back and half the club is gone. Um, but it, he says, due to the fact that the wage bill will be too big for the current revenue. Um, and Mike, you know, I, I, I'm going to need to have a money person on the podcast. But, uh, you know, my biggest thing is I don't know how much money Barca has. I don't know where the money's going to when you think about the the Camp Nou stadium renovation that's being put off. You think about how the installments of, of money need to be paid to Neymar will have to will come out of the bank account. Um, yeah, and then exactly who is going to be paying for it with what sponsorships and all these different things. You know, we have no idea about the true finances of Barcelona and, and what goes on there. But I don't know. Should we be worrying about the wage bill or should we do what PSG and Man City have done the last few seasons and say, eh, we'll just we'll figure it out. I mean, or they'll have to figure it out. It's not our problem. Well, the difference between us and uh, City and PSG is that these two clubs are literally city-states, right? They're funded by entire states, so by we will never yeah. be able to, to compare ourselves to them. That being said, the situation is probably even more dire than you think, Dan, because the Espai Barça project doesn't only include the, the Camp Nou renovations, but they also include uh, Estadio and Cruyff that has just been uh, inaugurated this week. Yep. when the Juvenile A played the, the uh, U19 Ajax team. And also, they will have to destroy the actual, the, the current Palo Blaugrana, the uh, basketball and handball arena, to build a brand new one. So it's it's going to get even more expensive than we expect. That being said, Coutinho, Coutinho is already out of our books because Bayern is paying his wages and they have a purchase option of uh, 120 million that they might uh, that that they might take if uh, if the Brazilian uh, performs well in the Bundesliga this season. And chances are that he will because they're giving him the keys to the castle. He's going to be their playmaker. He's going to he's going to be basically their Messi, if I could say so. Um, that being said, um, there there are also rumors about Luis Suarez. Uh, potentially getting an offer from David Be- David Beckham's Inter Miami, which will start their operations uh, in uh, in 2020. So who knows? We might see Luis Suarez leave uh, in the in the 2020 winter transfer window. And last but not least, I cannot imagine how we wouldn't try to get rid of Usman Dembele at this point. And if if there is a way to get Usman Dembele to agree to go to Paris and to, to, to get PSG to accept Usman Dembele as part of the payment to get Neymar to come to, to, to Barcelona, you know, the, the the Neymar transfer is something that is very controversial, but if there is a, a transfer that has been even more controversial in the past two years, it's that of Usman Dembele, especially considering how the payoff has been so dissatisfying, probably even more dissatisfying than Coutinho, because Coutinho at least was disciplined, and you know you, you didn't hear stories about him not taking care of his body, and uh, whenever whenever he got injured, he always recovered fairly quickly. Usman Dembele seems to be eating whatever, <laughs> uh, showing up late to practice, pretty much taking his spot uh, on the team for granted, uh, he he gets injured. He doesn't even tell the staff, and he trains anyway, worsening his condition. So I think that at this point, it would be trading a problem for a problem, plus maybe uh, maybe a few tens of millions of uh, of euros if if that's what's needed. But the 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 best candidate for me would be Usman Dembele, and then everything else that happens uh, may or may not happen. But at this point, I'm pretty sure that that's what our uh, board is focusing on yeah i mean i see part of me i mean and, and people have this on record for the last few shows with me where i even before debele it was before debele got hurt where princess and i kind of had that that discussion about you know whether i would want neymar back or whether i'd want to keep Dembele in that situation and you know part of me agrees with you and then the other part that doesn't agree is that it's not necessarily even about neymar 
but it's about what's going to be required to, to get Neymar to Barcelona. Clearly, we're seeing not only with with the funds, but if it is Dembele, you know, I, I want to say that even a few weeks ago, right? Let's say he doesn't get hurt in this situation. So much of this conversation, I, I think, doesn't happen. Remember, I mean, the player we were we were uh, just weeks and months ago were complaining about all season long was yes, there's that Rakitic contingent that seems to hate Rakitic on the internet, but Coutinho was the one that you know fans universally agreed just didn't fit at Barcelona, right? And now that he's out of sight, out of mind, he's over at, at Bayern, there has to be another player to have some kind of ire. So I, I just, not to say that I'm being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here, but I, I think that, you know, the injury to Dembele is, is real. And whether he was, um, he had missed the medical uh, and, and he is being fined by the club and all, and disciplined by the club. And those things can all be true. But I think the... The timing of it couldn't be worse, as I, I, I tweeted out this a few weeks ago, that the timing of this for Dembele could not be worse because it seems like his character is being and his, his performance on the field are being called into question just as the savior is being uh, from Paris is being goaded to come back to the club. Well, I, I mean, or, or he himself being Neymar is pleading to come back to the club. And, and that's all coinciding in just a terrible bit of timing. Um, and so the one thing I would say is every little bit of negative thing that I read about Dembele I take it with a grain of salt because, again, the the more slander and the more negativity that can be heaped on this player, anything to force him out of the club uh, in a soft exit away from the club is something I think that the club is happy about, that everyone kind of supports. And now the fan base, I, I've seen it, have been won over to the fact that, you know, Neymar has to be the hero. He's much more talented than Nebele. He's the one that, that Barca need now. And, um, and, you know, you worry about losing Dembele later and who cares, you know, he hasn't been good enough. Uh, and I think that, you know, I think that just warps the line to fit the, the current narrative. Um, and I think even I, I was, I was telling someone today that I was just almost sad about, uh, the concept. And, and this is a question that Ira actually put in the group that I want to mention as well today, where, uh, Ira asked about the defense that if Tadebo or Jean-Claude Tadebo is indeed involved in the Neymar negotiations, then Barca, in theory, have two center backs and a, a sometimes injured Umtiti who might not be entirely happy with his role as well. Um, we saw with the, this recent France team that Lenglet is called up and Umtiti, because he doesn't really get a game and isn't fully in form, is not getting looks on the French national team at the moment. Uh, so with all that said, if Tadebo is the one on his way out, um, what about all these fans who are saying, well, it doesn't matter. You know, Tadebo, anything to get Neymar back that's not named Messi has got to be part of this deal now, right? That's how desperate I, I think the board has become. That's how desperate Kool-Aid's have become. Uh, and then for even a guy like Tadebo, that Barcelona, it seemed to be the steal. He seemed to be this guy that, again, I, it kind of won me over because he's a dribbly center back that can make up space that Lenglet and PK doesn't. He just adds a different dimension. And I think that in, in, two, in two years' time, uh, he's he going to be a starter. I really do. I, I, I believe in this this young player that I've seen just even a sample size. And I think the Barcelona did as well. Uh, what changed their mind that Tadiba wasn't someone to try to build around or that he's just this piece that they can they can they that they need to throw in um, to a team in PSG that already has so many center backs? I, I don't have an answer to that other than it, for all those people that say that, you know, fine, Tadiba doesn't matter, throw him in, whatever it takes to get Neymar. Uh, well, I guess you guys should start watching Barca B and uh, start checking out Ronald Araujo because uh, Chumi and Jorge Cuenca and all the ones that we've talked about in the past don't seem to even be highly rated for Barca B. Uh, it seemed to be Ronald Araujo who went on the, the first team preseason. Doesn't seem entirely ready the first team, but it, he might be the four center back if that's what's required. So I just think for me, my thing that I, as you know, Mike, I prioritize squad building and squad depth and just having a, a thing that fits all together with all 25 guys making sense. And it just, it doesn't make sense in my brain. And I think I'm going crazy. So Mike, please talk some sense into everybody that uh, instead of just rambling my nonsense. Well, first of all, I don't think that it would be a good idea at all to, to include any of our center backs uh, on that deal if it were to happen. Uh, obviously, if there is a position where we have a lot of depth, it's, it's that of, uh, it's on the front line, right? We, we have a few extra midfielders maybe but none that i would be comfortable giving away except maybe for ivan rakitic considering that uh we've gotten probably everything that there was to get out of him and if he's going to give you one more good year maybe he will maybe he won't personally i think that the good move would have been to sell him at his highest point right after the world cup last year but he's one of those names that you hear a lot uh whenever we hear about that potential deal 
that being said, um, going back to Dembele, the reason why most people, including myself, believe that he would be uh, the ideal piece to that to that deal is because we probably shouldn't have bought him in the first place. He was a panic buy to replace Neymar. Then he got injured. Then we made another panic buy to replace Neymar by the name of Philippe Coutinho. And a few injuries and, and a loan to Bayern later. And now we're about to basically buy Neymar to replace Neymar. That's exactly what the board is doing. We've been panicking for two years. And we made two panic buys at the amount uh, in the amount of in the combined amount of uh, 310 million euros, and now we're about to we're about to sell one in exactly a year from now for 120 out of the 160 that we got him for, and then barely we got him for 147, and now and now we might we might even have to throw some extra money on top of him. To get Neymar back. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not sure how I feel about the Neymar deal myself. I would do it if the price is right, obviously. And I wouldn't I wouldn't break the bank or get an extra loan to get him back. That being said, and we all know how the how this board uh, works. Not only just this board, but uh, unfortunately the constitution of FC Barcelona, which is uh, basically a cooperative... It's not. It's not an LLC. It's not. It's not a company with an owner or a group of investors. Barcelona FC Barcelona belongs to its socios, right? So we have to elect a board of directors once every six years, and that board of directors oversees uh, every every day-to-day operation, makes all the decisions, and their decisions are only uh, are only focused on their six-year cycle. And they don't know if they're going to come back after the 2021 elections. So why would they have to? Why would they bother worrying about what's going to happen after 2021? If they could, at the you know, in the best possible case scenario, if they could win the Champions League this year and next year, and then show up at the elections, then they'll have another six-year cycle to worry about. But for now, their 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 next election is far from from one, and they have to do whatever it takes to get immediate results. And if if it means that they have to go after arguably one of the top three, what the hell, let's call it top five best players in the world, certainly one of the best players that this club has ever seen, if bringing him back could translate itself into immediate results, something that we haven't really seen with Dembele, even though we won two, two straight Ligas with him in the roster, it's not like he's been... Uh, a, a key part of these uh, of these titles. Uh, add to that the two straight Ramontadas that we suffered in the in the Champions League. Maybe if we get Neymar back, the results are going to be better. Maybe it's going to be La Liga plus a European Cup this time around. Who knows? But one thing's for sure: we're not exactly talking about uh, a player that came out of La Masia and is an undisputed starter in this squad and has brought us uh, so many memories and so many positive results. He's still a project and he's still rough. He's not a finished player despite his price tag, despite the opportunities that he's gotten. And personally, I, I obviously, if it's player for player, I would do it in a heartbeat. Now, when I hear uh, reports... Uh, about PSG wanting an extra 180 million yeah. euros, I think that it's completely insane. Mm-hmm. When I hear that Barcelona offered 100 extra million on top of Dembélé, I think that it's absolutely insane. But player for player, uh, I, I don't see why I don't see why we wouldn't do it. How do you feel about that, Dan? I know that I know that you're you, you have uh, you have mixed feelings about this deal, but Dembélé for Neymar, don't you think that it would be a fair deal? Well, I mean, I would say. What I will agree about Dembele is that, you know, this is all hindsight. But again, you know, I I was willing to die on that mountain that when he was at Dortmund, he was a player that would have fit at Barcelona. And I was pleased with the deal when it happened. But now in hindsight, whether it might be off the field things, but even on the field, he came to Barca too soon. And unfortunately, that uh, as 
as again to plug the YouTube video again, when you look at all these young phenoms, and they were all under the age of 18, the guys I talk about in that video, but um, even guys that are under the age of 22, if they're not brought along uh, slowly and that in a way that fits their development, then it's just not going to work out. And that's what it seems to be with um, Del and Bele, unfortunately. Uh, when it comes to the Neymar deal, though, again, the very nature of the deal, and uh, yes, it might be about, you know, if, if the Sosis want something and the captain of the club being Lionel Messi want a certain thing, then who am I? you know, as the host of the Barcelona podcast to argue about what the will of the club, what the will of, of the fans, the, the, the best fans and the ones who take care of the club financially and, and Lionel Messi, who am I to say uh, that they don't have the best interests of, of, of the club in heart? You know what I mean? So I, I think now that I'm going to walk back what I, about what I feel about Neymar coming, but, uh, I, you know, I saw some, again, some toxic stuff online that was saying that, you know, if... If Neymar does come with all well, all those who were, were against the Neymar signing or Neymar coming back, will they then not celebrate a Champions League trophy if he, if he delivers one and all these different things? But that's not true at all. If he puts back that jersey on, and again, if Messi and Socios and everybody else evolved the club and PK and the whole locker room, if, if he is a Barcelona player and is supported as such, and I'm someone who's willing to forgive as well. So I guess that's what those of us who may not be too happy about it. And again, for me, it's not even about what he did so much. I think understanding, again, I work not just in, in this sport, but I work in a lot of different sports. And I can tell you that um, it might not have been that way in the 30s and 40s. And again, I always seem to find a way to bring up the NBA every, every show. But there's always that uh, the, the anecdotes about Larry Bird and, and Irving Magic Johnson between the Lakers and the Celtics back in the 80s. And this concept that if, if anyone ever, you know, switched teams to their rivals and, and things like that, and if you played on a team, like that was your team, and there was this um, just a connection to, to teams that drafted you and I know it's a little different with with football obviously because you're brought in those academies uh but there again was there was this loyalty that was present uh that for football and I think for Barcelona in particular you know you go through and there's a lot of different players who've played for Real Madrid and Barcelona um even one of the great Barcelona players ever Josep Semetier you know he 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 wasn't a big fan of Barca as he as he left and he helped Real Madrid in their best of the the best of their years. Um, but yet he's seen obviously in, in great light. But Luis Figo, because of the way he did it and because of how it all went down uh, and because he went back on his word, it, it has soured him in, in ways that are you know that he still you know hated in ways that so many other players aren't. Uh, and all that said, what that means about Neymar uh, is I don't know. Is that Neymar is a star that fits. The era that we're living in and that that era is one where there is less loyalty towards your club and there it is more about not only individual brands and Neymar for you said top five player but he probably is the number three brand behind Messi and Ronaldo it's not close right it's those are the top big three brands in football it's not Mbappe it's not um any player on Liverpool right it's it's Messi it's Ronaldo it's Neymar who's selling jerseys who's bringing in all that you know for all the hundred million that Barca might be giving extra to PSG they might be getting back more than that in 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 marketing and and marketing opportunities not just jersey sales but just all that Neymar uh, encompasses so uh, yes, it, it still makes me uncomfortable because of all that. And I think what it comes down to for me, I'm going to do that by answering a question from Minor as well. How do you see Carlos Perez, uh, Perez's development uh, with the first team with the possibility that Neymar is back? And my answer is, again, that Dembele, he asked about Dembele as well. Well, Dembele is out of the club. If Neymar comes, it's not even if he's involved in the Neymar deal. We might have to wait till January, but I mean, it's over for Dembele. He's got to find somewhere else because he's never going to get a game and he's never going to be able to develop as a young player. It's just not going to work for his career and it's going to be best for him to leave. But then everybody else, whether it's Ansu Fadi, he's just 16, so you might not even see him again for two more years and yet he's still 18 and that's great. But for Carlos Perez, who's 21 years old, this might be the end that you see of Perez. And that's not a big deal because, yeah, is Carlos Perez going to be the person that wins the Champions League trophy for you? No, it's Neymar. But again, Mike, as a, I, it's, it, this is weird thing that I think it's this dogmatic approach I think I unfortunately have that I try to always think four or five years ahead instead of just living in the now. And I think maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what I have to do emotionally. I'm just going to have to live in the now uh, and just try to appreciate what a, an attack force of Griezmann, Neymar, Messi, and Suarez is going to mean. Um, yeah, I, I just think that I'm not going to have to, I, I can't worry about the development of Carlos Perez anymore because it, he's not going to, he's just going to play Copa del Rey. That's it. That's that's how every guy in the peripheral is going to be. But you saw the game, right? How what, how did you feel about about the way Carlos Perez played? Because let's not kid ourselves. If he hadn't scored that goal, we would have remembered him completely differently. The 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 way he controlled the ball, his dribbles, 
the 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 way he missed sitters easy shots to make he didn't he didn't really look like a product of la masia now you're gonna tell me he he started the game at camp now season opener maybe maybe he felt extra pressure that he doesn't usually feel especially when he represents la roja la rojita or uh, or barca b but he does he didn't he didn't exactly look like a crack to me you know he might be a very good player at his level right now uh but uh, you know if if i had to choose between between carlos perez or or you know a high profile name like like neymar like dembele or like suarez obviously there there's no conversation right. to be had yeah i agree i mean for me what i enjoyed about carlos perez and again is this what wins trophies no, but this is what makes me enjoy a, a, a half, is that just at his age uh, and being from La Masia, what I did see from him uh, with uh, in that match against Real Batiste is that his movement and the way that, he, again, he went out on the touchline, and again, that's the big problem, that Messi, Neymar, Griezmann, and Suarez all kind of operate in the middle of the field, and they are heroes who Suarez does play off Messi, but they, they are all pretty much the, their best with the ball at their feet and, and working in the middle of the, the field in that space right around the 18-yard box. And Perez is just, again, one of those role players. And they everyone, obviously, 100 people, a 1,000 people said that he was just like Pedro in that he was very unselfish. He was willing to make that run up over the top. And even though he very rarely got the ball in that situation, it just opens up space for your teammates. Um, and over the course of 90 minutes... All those different pockets of space, eventually there's an opening that's coming. Uh, and so he's a guy that added width. And that's what I think the La Masia part of it. It wasn't necessarily the interchanges. I think you're right. As I've said, I, I think he is not as much of a, uh, he's not enough of a game breaker as in a front three for Barcelona to play for their first team. But he's certainly very much good enough to be a first team professional somewhere in the Liga. Um, whether it's, you know, at a Leganes or maybe it's at a Real Sociedad level. I'm not sure what that is. But, yeah, I think for Carlos Perez, uh, I think we see someone who's good enough to be in the Liga and probably good enough to be the 24th, 25th player in Barca's lineup or roster. But, again, if a guy like Neymar is coming, then, uh, you know, it's 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 we can't live or die by the development of, of Carlos Perez. Now, again, when you talk about someone like Ansu Fadi, though, who's only 16, who you can stash away for a little while, I hope that his trajectory by the time he's, you know, 20 years old, which is still four years from now, we're talking the post-Messi era when, when Fadi is still two, three, four, five years away from his prime. So he's a guy that, you know, I, I earmark a little differently, that I don't push him into the first team. I'm not going to even overanalyze what he did. The fact that he was on the field is exciting enough, you know, because we just don't need more overhyping of teenagers. We just see that clearly the, the, the board and they all care about him because, you know, as I just spoke about with Naveed, you know, they're willing to pay for it. But... Anyway, let's wrap this show up, Mike, with a question from Rick. And I do thank all of our, uh, all of our, our in our uh, Facebook group, our listener questions that we got. Again, we didn't get to all of them uh, simply because this week was a little disjointed. It wound up being that I, uh, for a lot of different reasons, we couldn't record until the day after I asked you the question. So a lot of those questions even became a little obsolete with the Neymar news. So we are going to end with a question from Rick. And you mentioned I watched this game. Uh, the uh, the Juvenil Oz against the uh, Ajax U19s. And it wasn't necessarily a great performance from the U19s. I was excited by E.S. Mariba, who Naveed and I also talked about. Um, and it but it, and it was a, basically the first time that any of us really got to see a full match with Victor Valdez. It was on the Barcelona website. So it was exciting to see. But as I said, uh, I tweeted that day, it's this weird thing that I was seeing where everybody's kind of looking at Twitter. You could even see it almost in the stadium. People are looking on Twitter about the Neymar news and just waiting for updates and anything involved when, you know, Johan Cruyff is, you know, this new stadium is being is being put out in, in his honor. These the two clubs that he, you know, basically built the modern incarnations of um, commemorating this this late legend. And so Rick asked if Johan was still alive today, how do you guys think he would critique the club at its moment? Uh, at the current moment, uh, the current management and board, and I, I mean, that one's a pretty much a give me. We know how he would feel about Bartomeu and, and the board at the moment um, and their transfer policy. And do you think he would be what if, if anything he said was positive, what would that be? Or do you think he would just be outright critical uh, or do you think he would even have a relationship with the club at this moment? First of all, that's an amazing question. Rick has, and, uh, Rick has a many questions. I want to always say that. Like, no offense to anybody else who gives us questions, but Rick has been with us since the day one, 2017. Uh, and Rick's questions, he has always been uh, an MVP. I just, I just want to say that. Thank you to Rick. Uh, you're absolutely right, Mike. 
Johan Cruyff is my hero, right? I love FC Barcelona thanks to Johan Cruyff. He's the first manager I have ever seen. I I studied everything uh, regarding his philosophy, and he's he's a man that I've always looked up to. And if if you want to know how he would feel about the transfer policy, look no further than how he felt about the Neymar transfer in 2013. He was very 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 much against it, and he was extremely vocal about it too. And there are there are an there is an avalanche of quotes that you can find online still to this day. Johan Cruyff always uh, preferred to develop talent from within, from La Masia. He was actually instrumental in developing La Masia and make it what it has become today. Obviously, it was inaugurated by by Rinos Michels, but he he played a key role in the development of La Masia. And even as a manager... The way the way he the way he managed his team uh, during the days of the dream team uh, between '88 and uh, and '96, a lot of opportunities were given to youngsters. Uh, one that comes to mind is a youngster by the name of Pep Guardiola, who was only 17 years old in 1990, and that's just one out of many. And right now, the way the way that it's happening, uh, unfortunately, in Barcelona, we're we're adopting the Galacticos policy, right? We're we're getting involved in that rat race uh, twice a year now. <laughs> Every transfer window, we're trying to make a big money splash, and you know, uh, even when Barca was bad, right? Like I'm talking about the early 2000s when we were winning absolutely no trophy for five straight years. We still had a we still had a decent team on the field. We had Luis Enrique, we had Patrick Kluivert, we had Rivaldo even, and people were just happy to see beautiful football. And even though the results didn't come, we were still behind our team. But now again, it's that culture of of uh, of trying to make a big splash and win it all every single year. It's like winning the treble in 2009 was the biggest of all curses for us because now we expect it every single year. And presidents come and go every 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 six years, whereas uh, you know during the dream team, during the days of the dream team, and you know before and after, we had the same president for for 25 years, which brought stability, which brought uh, you know a tradition of long-term goals and continuity, whereas now it's like all or nothing, all or nothing, all or nothing twice a year, and you know. I remember back in those days when you bought a when you bought a player for 20 million and he flopped, it was the end of the world. Now we buy players for 150, 160 million euros, and we get rid of them like a year and a half, two years later, and then we want to make the next big money transfer for over for for you know uh, a nominal value money plus players of over 200 million. Uh, which is exactly what it, what we got for him two years ago. So, of course, it's the exact opposite of the Johan Cruyff philosophy. And when I say Johan Cruyff, I don't mean Johan Laporta. I really mean Johan Cruyff because Johan Laporta really spent money when he was the president of Barca. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, I mean, and you go back to even uh, Cruyff's days as, as manager. If he didn't like certain players, they were out. And, I mean, and that's how it worked. I mean, players that were beloved by the club uh were, were just not in his plans and it worked out the same way when he was a manager um, Romario so, is a good example yeah. of that yep 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 so uh yeah and I think you know I think Mike you made a great point that what it comes down to I think with this whole we'll call it Neymar saga is that having just had to go through the Frankie de Young saga and then the Coutinho saga before that and then it was Neymar leaving and the saga before that um and it seems like you're right every it is almost transfer window fatigue uh, you know and for me you know we do a a show every week and that's what it is you know throughout these summers it really is is a fight and for me i've seen a lot of people talk about this too uh by the time you have this maybe by the time you have this in your ears the transfer window's over but uh by the time this show come uh you hear next week's show the transfer window will be over and uh i i think what it comes down to is i'm just excited to watch fc barcelona play this season uh and i will support whoever's on the team uh so we'll see exactly who's on the team in the next few days but 
Thank you, all you listeners, for being on our team throughout this entire show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to both Naveed and Mike for helping me out with this one. And thanks again for you tuning in. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe to the show. You can also find us on social media, too. We're on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod, or at HiltonD13 for me, and on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group. Deeper dives, discussions, and you can help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows and hear the quick take match reviews. If you want to hear what I thought about Real Batiste and what I hear about every episode, that's me for about 15 15, 20 minutes and thanks to all of our new patreons since the season started i really really appreciate it and it goes a really long way um we're also on youtube now at the barcelona podcast check us out and hit that subscription button and finally i do want to say uh if you do leave an itunes review i do read those and uh as you notice i said that we are going to the break and i gave a warning because somebody let me know so i would love some five stars you give me five stars also give me a little feedback and again i just am trying to make the show better that way as well so that's another option so thanks so much for listening to the barcelona podcast until next time, we'll talk to you soon and Forza Barca. Forza. What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX commands simulated. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.